This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. So we've been going through this financial Proverbs series now for a few weeks. This is the seventh week. This will be our last one on it. So hopefully everything in your life regarding finances is completely fixed. Yes and amen, right? Um, uh, next week, just as a reminder, we're going to have a movie night here uh, where we're going to be watching that movie we kind of talked about called Unplanned. And so that's going to be in here at 6 o'clock. Hopefully that you can come for it. And then starting in March, we're going to do a New Testament overview. So imagine you're going to college class to learn the New Testament, or you're going to a seminary class to learn the New Testament. We're going to unpack so that you guys are going to be New Testament scholars, so you can impress all your friends. Doesn't that sound good? Okay, something like that. Maybe not exactly that, but you are going to be able to say, you know what? I can take this Bible, and I can understand where the New Testament fits in in the overarching story of God, but also how all these books go together, and you're going to be someone who can handle the Word of God to where someone says, well, tell me about the New Testament that you could teach them. That's going to be the goal. So we'll start that in March. I'm super, super excited about that. So tonight, uh, as we're going to be looking at this last thing, aligning your plan, some of you have been here every week. Most of you probably have not been here every week, okay? There's probably some times that you've missed a few things here, and so uh, some of the things we're going to pull together is some of the Proverbs that we haven't looked at. Uh, if you've been here since January, we were preaching on the, the uh, financial Proverbs in the morning and unpacking some stuff in the evening a little bit more. But tonight, going to look at some of these uh, extra Proverbs, and also there are going to be a few things that we're going to do as a way of reminder. But if you look there at your opening paragraph, it says, if you look at your current financial picture, you might notice too many issues to address at once, right? Sometimes I can get overwhelmed at the big picture. Have you ever felt that way? There's, well, i got 50 things that I need to do, and you feel like, I, I don't know where to begin. Well, tonight's going to be a time to help you maybe think through, where is it that I need to begin? Where, where's the certain spot that I need to focus in on? And so there are some things that you may not get to for a few more years. That's okay. Start the process now. Start looking at some specific areas that you can grow in. Instead of becoming overwhelmed by the numerous tasks, rely on biblical wisdom and align your plan with immediate obedience and gradual progression. That means that tonight you may find one specific area that you say, I need to do this right here, right now. I need to make a change. I need to at least change a, a way of perspective, a way I'm thinking through some stuff but also that we see gradual progression. Uh, I think I mentioned this story at one point, but I, I think it's so important that to just remind uh, everyone that a um, dear friend of mine came up to me one day at church and came up to me and said, Travis, I'm so excited I get to tell you something. I said, what's that? They said, I finally get to tithe today. And I was like, okay, well, congratulations. You know, they said, no, no, no. They said, it's taken me six years since that first financial class that I took to get to a place where I could actually tithe. Six years. They were in so much financial mess, it took them six years to make some changes, but they were so excited because they said, I learned this principle way back here six years ago, and I have been working so hard to get to a place, and today I finally can say I'm in a place I can tithe, I can give, and God, and, and I feel like I'm being obedient in my finances. And so I want to say that to say, for some of us tonight, you may say, I've got so many issues that I don't even know where to start. It might take six years. But there may be some things that you can do right here, right now, right? There's some stuff, some, some mindsets that you can change, some things that you can start thinking through differently. You never know how God is going to use this. So here's a few things that there's just some ways of reminder that I want to give us. Um, but before we go to the first one, I want you to turn over to the back side of your page really quick. And you see down there uh, the last section that says financial proverbs. There is a list of every financial proverb in the book of Proverbs that I could find, okay? Um, and I, I was borrowing from a few different lists that I compiled together. Uh, that's a lot of verses about money, if you hadn't realized, right? 
So there are verses on the wealth and wisdom. A lot of those verses will talk about how pursuing wisdom is better than pursuing money. <laughs> so that's a good perspective about what hard work looks like, uh, the difference between rich and poor, and what does that mean, uh, the dangers of greed, looking at God's provision, talking about giving to others, wealth in general, uh, Proverbs about debt and lending, stewardship and investments, and righteous living. So those are a few verses for you to go home and memorize tonight, and then you'll be good to go, right, for the rest of the week or something like that, okay? But no, uh, but those are just a kind of just a, a good bank of resources for you to have. And for anybody who feels like, man, I'm just getting started, but I really want to know God's word in this, remember that Proverbs is, is a book that's written unlike any other of the 65, other 65 books in the Bible. A lot of the sections of Proverbs is this verse might be on wealth, and this next verse might be on marriage, and this next verse might be about your speech, and it just can pop on from situation to situation, so you don't read it like, uh, or it's not put together like every other book. So those are um, some verses collected together for you to consider how you can uh, read through them and study in that section. Make sense? All right, let's turn over to the other side, and here's what I want to do. We're going to look at a few different um, things here, but the first one item is this, uh, to prioritize God's wisdom over others' opinions. That's the first thing, overarching kind of God, that we want to make sure that it, when it comes down to finances, that we do prioritize God's wisdom over others' opinions. Do people have opinions over what you need to do with your stuff? Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, probably a lot of opinions about what you should do. Um, the bank thinks you should do this. Your mama thinks you should do that. Your friends think you should do this. But ultimately, you want to say there has to be some standard that is actually above me. So one of the ways that I always love to look at it, in my life, there are all types of standards that are vying for my attention, okay? Uh, this is the way that I, I like to talk. We talked about it with our upper teams yesterday or uh, at our games but there is a standard that I have that I call inside me, okay? A standard inside me. This is how I feel. Have you ever had, like, you don't know why, but you just kind of feel like, I want to do this. It's a standard inside you. You think you need to do this. Well, there's a lot of people who will listen to the standard inside you. Can I ask you a question? Can you always trust that standard? <laughs> no, because sometimes I will tell myself that I should be doing some things that I should not be doing, okay? So that standard can be a little bit what I like to call wonky, okay? It's just not, it's not credible. I cannot trust that standard all the time. If the Spirit is moving me, that's one thing, but sometimes I can justify all types of horrible stuff based on the way I feel, right? So careful about that standard that can be inside you. There's another standard that I like to say, the standard beside you. These are the people around you that are speaking into your life, okay? Your peers, culture, People telling you what you need to do with your stuff or whatnot, there are the standard beside you. So you got one inside you, you got one beside you. People who are always telling you, oh man, you don't need to worry about this. This is what you need to do instead, right? Are there enough people in your life telling you what to do? All the time, right? They don't mind telling you what to do. They will get in your business any day. And then you get messed up and you say, well, I told you so anyway, or I, you, I shouldn't have done it that way. Whatever it is, they'll give you plenty of opinions. So standard inside me. Standard beside me, there's another standard, the standard behind me, okay? This is what I like to call tradition or somebody who's taught something to you. And some of you may have had some great godly people, wise people in your life that have taught you, but a lot of times we just accept certain things because those who've done it before us have always done it that way, right? And it may be good or it may be bad. It might be dangerous. And so you always have to say, am I just doing this? In church culture, we would talk about it this way, that am I doing this based on tradition, right? 
And now, folks, a lot of times we give senior adults a bad rap of being stuck on tradition. But can I tell you, every single one of us has some type of tradition whenever you've done something twice, okay? You've done something this way, and you want to do it again this way, right? It's a tradition, and we get stuck. So sometimes the example behind us, something we're used to, we just kind of assume, well, my mom did it this way, my dad did it this way, somebody else taught me, and you just assume that into your life. That may not be the best approach. So I have a standard inside me, beside me, behind me, but what I need above anything else is a standard above me. I need something that is above me, that transcends me, larger than me, and that is God's Word. Can you imagine this, that God's Word, written thousands of years ago in a different language, is still getting in your business today, right? I mean, right here, as relevant as any book in the world, more relevant than any book in the world, something that was written in a different language, right? The book of Proverbs is written in Hebrew. How many of you open up your Hebrew Bible today to read out of it? Not me. I took some classes in it. I'm scared of that language. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? It is is hard to read. It's hard to understand. And it was written thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, in another language, in another country, and you read it, and it's like it cuts right to your heart. What other book can do that? What other book can do that? Let me, let me show you how. Proverbs 2, 3, and 4 says this. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. So what is he saying? You want to find insight? You want to find understanding? You want to find God's wisdom? Seek it like you've sought that paycheck, right? <laughs> or some kind of gather of money. Like, I want to be rich. I want to have all this stuff. He goes, Hey, I'll tell you, even better payout than getting rich is this. Seek after God's wisdom. More than the standard inside you, beside you, behind you, seek the standard above you to really process and to think what that needs to look like and say, I want that insight. I want that stuff that's above me. Seek for it like you would silver and search for it as hidden treasures. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart, right? Oh, all of your heart. Then why don't you do it? right? Why don't I do it? This is how I would translate the Bible verse. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on some of your own understanding and some of your ways acknowledge him and he'll make some of your path straight, okay? That's the way that I would honestly think that I should translate those verses, but that's not what this verse says. I really think this is kind of the crux of the uh, book of Proverbs in a lot of ways, but trust in the Lord not with some of your heart, all of your heart. Is he trustworthy? Yes, he's trustworthy. He has never, can I tell you this? God has never led you in a bad direction. You've gone in some bad directions, but you have never been led by God in a bad direction. In fact, if you ended up in a bad direction, you know what you did? You did the complete opposite of what God called you to do, right? Or you at least veered off that path a little bit. So you want to trust in the Lord with all your heart. So when he says, I want you to treat finances, life, marriage, speech, emotions in this way, and you go, but my heart says the opposite. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. My ways are better. My thoughts are better. I promise you, you got to trust me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Folks, half of my problems are because I'm leaning on my own understanding, what I think ought to happen, what I think should happen. And guess what? I've got all types of situations in my life. My understanding is not sufficient. I need understanding that's higher than that, right? It says, in all your ways acknowledge him, not just in some of your ways acknowledge him, not just in a few of them or a part of them. So in all of your ways acknowledge him. 
So one of the things that I, um, I always love to think about, and not just in some of my ways acknowledge him, I want to acknowledge him in all of my ways. Um, do you all know, the? if you were to get like a, uh, well, this is perfect, actually. We got examples right here. Hold on. God, God's always got a plan. All right, there's, there's a difference. We got two plates up here, okay? Can you all even in the back, can you see the difference between these plates? How many of you, if you had an option here, we're about to throw down and eat a little bit for some of us in this room. Um, there's a plate on the right that's got sections, right? And there's a plate on um, your left that has uh, no sections. Now, if how many of you would prefer to have the plate with sections? Raise your hand, okay? Now, all right, you do that. How many of you don't care? Raise your hand. How many of you would prefer to have this plate? Raise your hand. Like three, four of you. Okay, great. Now, here's the reason why the majority of you put this plate up. You have a condition called food isolationism. Did you know that? It's a condition that you have, and there's help for people like you, okay? Because you don't want the green bean juice to run into the macaroni and cheese or else both of them are ruined, okay, right? Some of you say, no, 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 keep the food in different locations, and you're somehow telling yourself, and somebody's going to say, you know, it all goes the same place anyway. Well, it's not there now. They need to be separate, right? And you don't like your food to touch. It's a condition. There's counseling for it. We can help you out. But so, so people who feel this way, this is what's called a food isolationist. You like things to say, okay, there's a compartment for this. There's a compartment for that. There's a compartment for this. Can I tell you how most Christians live their lives? God, you get this part, but don't mess here or here. Right? This is how we work. God, you can deal with this, but don't touch my finances. You know what God says? This is the plate. I get everything. Everything touches everything. You cannot say you want a full-time Savior if you only want a part-time Lord. You've got to say oh, everything. There's not compartments when you come to Christianity. You follow Jesus, he gets in the middle of everything. He gets in the middle of everything. And so what you've got to say is, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. That deep, dark area that nobody else knows about, you acknowledge him there. You say, God, if you're aware of it, I'm not going to hide it from you. I'm not going to hide it from you. I'm going to get right where we need to be right here. And he will, if you do that, if you acknowledge him in all of your ways, financial ways, relational ways, emotional ways, he'll make your path straight. He'll make your path straight. For those of you who feel like you've been veering off course for a long time, here's the reason why. You're not acknowledging him in all his past. You're keeping things separate. You need to say, God... It's everything. You got it all. There, there's no place that I keep you off limits, right? I'm going to say you are, I'm going to acknowledge you in every single one uh, of, of my ways that I have, uh, and you'll make my path straight. So we want to prioritize God's wisdom over others' opinions. I'll, I'll ask you this. If you think about it, have you ever had opinions that you've received from other people in life regarding your finances? The answer is sure you have. We all have. We've all experienced finances. Um, financial advice. We've had people to tell you to get this credit card, to go in there and do this, to take that money, to do, put it over there, whatever it is. I tell people that one of the best financial advices that I got, I grew up in a single parent house, and you know what that meant? Mom said, if we go out to eat, you drink water. That's what you do, okay? Now, that, that, that's not the most you know, expansive financial wisdom, but that's where it started out for me. And can I tell you, there's a lot of truth there. You know, there's a lot of truth there to say, hey, if you're going to eat out, drink water. Here's, we've all had different opinions, though, that have gone into our ears about finances. But at the end of the day, we need to say, God, your word above all else, right? So number two is this. Be content with what you have right now. Be content with what you have right 
Now, this is the challenge because I guarantee this. Every single person in this room, you don't have what you feel like you need or want right now. There's nobody here that would today would say, I got exactly what I need. I don't need another thing. Most of us would say, I know that I shouldn't have to have anything else, but deep down we probably are saying, nah, I'd like to have a little bit of something else. Something else would help me out. But we have to learn how to be content with what you have right now. Why I think this is so, so great. Um, in the month of May, on Sunday morning, we're going to be at the end of Philippians, and probably the most quoted verse from the Bible, and I also think the most misinterpreted verse of the Bible. It's a verse called Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through him, Christ who strengthens me, right? Now, it's probably the most quoted Bible verse uh, out there. I also think it's the most misinterpreted Bible verse. And it's also the verse I think that a lot of football teams think they can somehow confuse God because you got one team lining up on the side of the ball praying, God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can win this game, God, because you're strengthening me. And on the other side of the ball, there's another team going, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God's going, oh, no, what am I going to do? You know, like, like it, the Bible verse is not about winning a football game, okay? You know what the Bible verse is? If you just go back a couple of verses, it says, I have learned the secret of being content in all things. I know the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all those things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's a different verse. I normally, I've always thought of that verse going, I can get that raise. Why? Because Christ strengthens me. I can get that house. Why? Because Christ who strengthens me. No, no, no. It's if I have the house, I did it because Christ strengthens me. And if I'm on the streets, it's because Christ is strengthening me. If I'm hungry and well-fed and happy and content, I, I've learned the secret. I can be content wherever. Why? Because Christ is the one who gives me strength. That's a different message. But can I tell you, it's one that we all need right now. So for us to say, can I be content with the situation that I'm in right now? Even if you feel like you deserve more, you should have more by now, can you be content with what you have? Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. It's better for you just to have a little. For anybody here who goes, well, that's all I got, right? I'm working on a little. Actually, I had to borrow to get a little, right? Whatever it is, it's better for you to have a little with the fear of the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? God, I only got this much. What do you want me to do with it? It's better to have that than to have a great treasure and trouble with it. Folks, you guys know this, but sometimes the more money that you get, more problems that you have, right? The people who have the most, they're not the happiest people in life. There's a, there, there's, there's a reason why some of the richest entertainment moguls ever said, mo money, mo problems, okay? This is what, this message is true. There are some of the most unhappy, discontented people in all of life saying what? Saying what? That they're miserable. And you go, but look at all the stuff that you have. You know why? They got great treasure and trouble with it. I know folks who make so much less than some people. The people who make tons of money are miserable. They're in debt. They're about to have a financial implosion. And I know people who are just kind of working day in and day out and doing enough of what they have, and they're okay. And guess what? They're fine. Why? Because it's better with a little, with the fear of the Lord, than to have great treasure and trouble with it. Look at this one, Proverbs 15, 27. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. What's it saying? Make sure that you're not being greedy to get gain financially in an unjust way. There's some unjust ways that you can make finances. They're not right, immoral. Sure there are. Plenty of ways. He says, so if you're greedy to get money by doing, getting gain in an unjust way, guess what you're going to do? 
You're going to trouble, but not only trouble you, you trouble who? Your own household. Folks, I think everybody here knows this, especially by now. I think we've all lived enough life. Your sins affect more than just you. Always, always. That lie saying this doesn't affect anybody but me is a lie from the pit of hell that Satan loves to put in your ear saying you can do whatever you want to do and it doesn't affect you. It does affect everybody. Some of us right now, the deepest scars in our life is what people let us down 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. They hurt us. They did some stuff. They messed up. And we had to deal with it. And some of us also in this room, we are walking around with scars and there are people that still got us like with shackles around us and they've been dead and gone a long time. Why? Why is that? Because sin, greed, unjust gain, unjust activity, it can trouble not only that person, it can trouble your own household. But he who hates bribes will live. It's saying, I, I don't want to get, I hate bribery. I hate um, making money in an unjust way. I don't want to get down there. And if you can do that, you can experience life. You can be content with what you have. Let me just keep at it, work hard, do the things that God's called me to do. Number three uh, principle that I think as we align our plan is this. Live within your means. Live within your means. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed somebody who tried to live outside of their means? And you go, now I don't, I don't know how you, you got that car and that house and wearing those clothes, but I don't think working there normally produces that. And, and you, you're kind of thinking like, that just don't make sense. Like, how are you doing? And then there's almost like you feel like there's a stop. Like, time's coming, right? It's going to catch up. You have to live within your means. What do you have? What, what have you working in? What's your job? This kind of stuff. And so Proverbs is going to speak straight to that. Listen to this, Proverbs 13, 7. You may have never read this before in your life. One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Now, the Bible is real in 2020, is it not? Okay, this is real, real talk here, folks. One pretends to be rich. Look at all this stuff I got. Look what I'm driving. Look what I'm wearing. Look what I'm, I'm going and doing. Look at the vacations I'm spending. And you go, you're pretending to be rich, but you don't have anything. So what's about to happen? It's all about to catch up. It's all about to catch up. And you, you're living in a facade. It's, it's make-believe, right? And make-believe it has a shelf life. And all of a sudden, it's going to come crashing down. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Who would pretend to be poor? Some of you are like, I would never do that. I, I've lived poor. Why in the world would I pretend to be poor? It's someone who begins to have wealth and still holds on to it like they, they can't give it away or help out somebody else because all of a sudden they're going to be destitute if they do. So if you, 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 sometimes we pretend to be poor and you're not. I, I will say this, that at every stage of my life, the, the moment where I have had the lowest in my bank account to the moment I've had the highest in my bank account, I will say this. I think I've been rich in almost every one of those moments if you compare me to the poorest person on the other side of the world. I mean, everybody here, y'all, everybody's dressed nicely. Y'all look sharp. You know, we're in a heated building. Got plenty of food today. You, you drove here. Uh, that sounds kind of rich to me. You know, kind of sounds very, very, that the Lord is taking care of. And we can pretend that we're poor and we don't have anything. I, I tell you, the world's worse at this. I, when I was um, uh, uh, teaching at Lander University, and I teach these classes, and these college students would talk about how poor they are, walking in in their North Face jackets, looking at their newest iPhone on their MacBook Pros, 
you know, and they had all these fancy shoes on and riding these cars in that they hadn't paid for and going to a four-year school and living in an apartment and eating all this food, and they just talk about how poor they are. And I go, poor? <laughs> there to be people who would give their right arm to be where you are right now. If that's poor, who? <laughs> Sometimes some of the best medicine is some of us need to get somewhere where there's somebody who has less than we do for a wake-up call. You pretend to be poor. You got great wealth. I mean, every, I, I know there's probably some of us in here right now going, yeah, but I'm not where I want to be. I get it. But at some point in your life pretty soon, you're going to be able to come into some type of wealth. And it might just be a paycheck, one paycheck. And you go, I've got this. And you don't want to be stingy with it. You don't want to act like you're poor and act like God hasn't blessed you. You say, God's taking care of my needs. Now, how can I even use that to bless another? So you live within your means, not pretending to be rich or pretending to be poor. Just be accurate where you are, right? Next, Proverbs 28, 25 says, A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. So a greedy man's going to stir up strife, cause issues, cause a lot of drama for other people, but one who trusts in the Lord, someone who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. So I trust in the Lord with what I have. It is what it is. This is what's in the bank account. This is what I've got to show for myself, and I'm going to trust you, and God will enrich that. Number four, resolve to be diligent in all your work. Resolve to be diligent in all your work. Here is so such a great, great line for all of us. Some people in this life are struggling financially because they have not been given an opportunity. But there are also some people in this life who are struggling financially because they've been given an opportunity and they did not work hard with it. That's just fact. Now, there are some of us that are at, a, you know, all of us, we've had different points in our life. We've been at a disadvantage. And maybe you feel like this person had a leg up. I get that. But with the opportunities that have been afforded to you, how diligent have you been with them, Right? Um, I can remember uh, a friend of mine when I was in college, she, she was telling me about that they were having an issue at her house with her younger sister. Um, now, the dad of this family, CEO of this company, uh, it was a multi-million dollar company. They, they had everything they could ever imagine. So they, you know, as, as soon as they had a driver's license, they had a new car, they go on every trip, dressed to the nines, everything, just, just all together, Right. Well, they, fit, they, they felt like the baby of this family needed to get a job, uh, just kind of a little wake up, you know, a little spending money, just to kind of sort of teach some discipline or whatnot. So she got a job at Zaxby's, right? Good place to eat. I couldn't eat there, though. I'd eat too much chicken. But it's a good place to, to work. So she started working at Zaxby's, and her dad was so excited about this. Finally got my girl a job, and she goes in there, and he's thinking, I hope she's going to learn how to do some hard work and to know that you got to you know, go in there and grind it out, get a paycheck, whatnot. He was kind of alarmed that when she had been gone about 90 minutes on her first day, she came coming back in the driveway. That's a problem, right? Dads, that's a problem. You're supposed to work, you know, nine to four or something, and she, she's back at the house about an hour and a half in. She comes storming in there. She throws her shirt on the counter, and he's like, what are you doing? Because I will never, ever be treated like that again. And he's like, what happened? And he's worried that, like, somebody you know, did something, you know, disrespected her or something like that. She's like, the way they treated me there, I don't deserve that. He's like, will you calm down? Stop crying. Like, what happened there? He goes, there was this guy there. He kept telling me what to do. And then after I finished that, then he told me to do this. And then I thought I was going to get a break. And then he started telling me to do this. He goes, well, who was this guy? He was my boss, daddy. <laughs> Little princess is going to have a wake-up call somewhere, okay? You know, like... Now, 
Folks, sometimes the blessings that people have given us, if we're not careful, can enable us to disaster. Where you don't realize that some of the blessings that you've afforded is because somebody worked their tail off for it. They, they, they grinded it out day in and day out. The reason why you were able to do some of the stuff you were as a kid because somebody worked hard at it. may not have been everything you wanted, but it was something. And yet, somehow we, we think that that's just going to appear to us, right? It doesn't that way. God has given work as a good, good thing. Work is not, as a reminder, work is not a consequence of the fall. Frustration with work is a consequence of the fall. Adam had a job before sin ever entered in. It was a good thing. You know when it happened? After he sinned, there were a fallout. He was frustrated with the work. It became difficult. So any of us who've ever struggled with it, but we need to be resolved to be diligent in all your work. Proverbs 6.6 6 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. You ever want to know wisdom in this life? Go look at a pile of ants somewhere in your yard, okay? Go there and watch them point from point A to point B, and they go back to point A, and they just keep working. They don't get distracted. They just keep moving. Why? Winter's coming. Winter's coming. We got to take care of the harvest while we can, right? So we're going to work, and we're going to work, because there's coming a time when there's not going to be a harvest out here, and we got to prepare. There's winters of our lives. There's a winter that comes in seasonally, but there's also a winter that happens for all of us in our own lives. We get to a certain age, and we can't do what we need to. And these ants, show the way, keep pushing in. Work hard. And even in this passage, it says they don't have to have a ruler or a chief to tell them what to do. They just get to work. Just keep moving, right? And so I think it says something that God thinks in his wisdom that as um, adults and uh, people, as human beings, that we need to look at ants to learn how to be wise. There's a truth there, to be diligent in our work. Proverbs 10.4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Slack hand. So someone who's being lazy, not working hard, not want to push in, want to complain about the boss is telling me what to do next, that causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. I can remember working uh, on an assembly line um, one of my summers during college, <coughs> making bottom sashes of windows. Day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. And I can just remember thinking, when do I get a new job? And they said, well, we're going to keep making new windows for you every day, right? <laughs> and we're going to keep pouring it out there. And I would see people along the way get frustrated and want to quit. And guess what? Causes poverty. Being slack, being lazy, not going to work hard. But the hand of the diligent, just keep grinding it out, working hard at this. It makes rich. One of the things that... We struggle even with just with our kids just to tell them, even in school right now, right? Even in the things that you do right now, diligent work at this level. This is your job. You work hard at it. You work hard at it for the glory of God. Jesus said, if you want to know the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? So if you're thinking, if you're studying, be diligent. If you're working, be diligent with it, right? Just keep pushing in and doing this. And so we had... Uh, this normally we'll have a, a word of the year that we kind of talk about at our house. Last year or two years ago, it was diligent that we just don't want you to do things halfway. We want you to go all out, really push into it. Uh, last year was responsible, <laughs> not complaining. Well, this wasn't provided for me. What are you responsible for, right? And so these kind of things of, of making sure that you're diligent, working hard at it. Next thing for us to look at, avoid chasing fantasies for your financial security. Avoid chasing fantasies for your financial security. And what does that mean? Unless it is salvation, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. 
Now, now salvation is too good to be, but it is true, okay? It, it is the truest thing in this world. But outside of salvation, if it seems too good to be true, it might be because it is. It, it's not. It's fault. It, it's a lie. Proverbs is going to speak straight to this. Once again, if, if th- these verses might blow your mind a little bit of how relevant they seem. Proverbs 12, 11, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. So you mean to tell me that there is worthless pursuits that I could do in a business venture and I could lack sense? God's going, absolutely. There are certain types of schemes that people will try to get you into that you think are, would be helpful. They are worthless pursuits. You have to be super, super careful about someone who tries to seem like they're selling you a way to work, right? That somehow advances them. You got to be super, super careful there. You might call that a pyramid scheme or you're working for this person or that person, whatever it is, but you have to be super careful. And if somebody says, oh, you could start this over here and it can be super simple. You don't have to, if it's simple and you're going to make money by tomorrow, there's a problem there. Okay. There's a problem there. So he says, if you work your land, just get a job, work hard at it. Guess what? You have plenty of bread, right? And if you're gluten-free, you can get something else. I don't know. But if you work hard right at the land, you will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits, if you're going after stuff that don't make sense, it, it does lack sense. Look at this proverb, 1311. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. How many of us have been seduced by a get-rich-quick scheme? Right? Just seduced by it. We want... We want everything we want, and we want it by tomorrow. And this person says, if I do this, I can have it. Most likely, that's called a fantasy. It's gained hastily. If you can get it quick, guess what else you can do quick? You can lose it quick. You can get it. If you can get it quick, you can even lose it quicker. That's the way that wealth works in this world. But if you gather little by little, you will increase it. Little by little, you'll increase it. I, I think back through... My, my, um, I, I always joke around, my first year ministry job, I got out of college. Someone said, we want you to work full-time. I said, that sounds awesome, but we're going to pay you part-time. That's a little bit of a problem. And they said, and part of that part-time salary is we're going to give you a trailer, that, a double-wide trailer that was just condemned, but we've renovated it. Well, that sounds great, right? Okay, like for me, I was kind of excited because it was a job, you know, I got a job, so I, I'll jump in. Can I, can I say this, though, that even in those days, I was working a full-time job in ministry, being paid part-time. Part of my part-time was a condemned trailer that they renovated so me and my soon-to-be bride could live in. And can I tell you this? I ate ramen noodles every night. I didn't have TV. I didn't have an internet bill. I had a cell phone bill, an electricity bill, and insurance, and that was it. And guess what? I was saving some cash. Like crazy. I was make. I mean... I was looking, I'm going, I don't know how I'm making this money. And then I looked at the cupboard and saw ramen noodles, and I thought, that's how I'm making money, right? Like, I, I wasn't making a lot, but guess what? I wasn't spending a lot either. Working hard, day in, day out, sacrifice, living within your means, and guess what? That small-time job was allowing me to save and put back and to get me in a very, very healthy spot. And so anything that says hastily, you can gain it quick, get rich quick, be super, super careful because if you, what you're going to realize is that type of funds, normally it dwindles. It goes away super, super quick. But whoever gathers little by little, working out day in, day out, that will increase in that. Now let's look at this next one here. Avoid debt as much as possible. 
Now, I know that we've looked at this one as a full topic, but let me just do it as a way of reminder for those who missed this. Avoid debt as much as possible. Most likely, everybody in this room, you're going to have to experience debt at some level. Is that a fair statement? Probably so. I want to encourage you to avoid debt as much as possible. Here's what the Bible tells us about it. Proverbs 22.7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. If you ever felt like you have borrowed money and you have been enslaved to them, it's because the Bible says you are. They got you. They got you roped in. Why? Because not only are you going to pay the minimum payment, but you're also going to be paying them interest. And what you thought you were paying $100 for, you'll end up paying $250 by the time all this is over with. That's called slavery, folks. That's called got shackles around you and keeping you at bay. You can't go free anymore. You want to go and do this? You cannot because it's, it's got you. So the Bible says, I mean, once again, let's be honest. How many of you would read that verse and go, somebody wrote that last year is what it seems like, right? Thousands of years ago, written. God's word is relevant. Rich rules over the poor. Those who get are rich, they often get richer on the backs of those of the poor getting poorer, getting more in debt. That's how the rich in this world make it, right? But the borrower, someone who is borrowing money, you feel like you were enslaved to the lender. It takes you a lot longer. Then Proverbs 22, 26, and 27 says, Be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? The Bible just talked about the repo man. <laughs> Did y'all realize that? The Bible didn't mention his name, but he just said the repo man, okay? So you're going to put up a pledge for somebody else, or you're going to need somebody to put a pledge up for you so that you can have this? Okay, well, that's great. You might have a bedroom, but guess what's going to happen one day? Somebody's going to come take the bed from you. That's what happens. You, you say, i got to have this now, even though I don't have the money now, so let me borrow. Let me do what I need to do. The problem is this. If you're not careful, what's going to happen is bed's going to be taken out from underneath you. Why are you still making payments on it? And that floor that you're sleeping on is not going to feel as nice, right? But you know what's better for you to do? I'd like to have this mattress, and it's really nice. And it says it's got this memory foam and this kind of thing, and it redoes this and all this kind of whatever. I'm sure every single person would like to have that mattress, but guess what? It's a lot better, and you can sleep a whole lot easier if you own this mattress that isn't that expensive rather than you're in debt for that really fancy one. You'll sleep better at night on the less comfortable one, as long as you know that you're not enslaved to that debt. And so he says, you've got to be super, super careful. So sometimes you've got to say, even though I want that, I don't have the money for it now, and I can't get it. Just fact. I just can't get it. So you figure out what you got to do so that you don't go in debt. Because as, as many of us in this room know, you get in debt for one thing, and then you have to start paying, borrowing for this to pay for that, and it just gets so out of control. So what do you do? You work super hard and not borrowing any more money and start paying those things off as, as soon as you can. Work hard at it. Find extra ways to, to save so that you can get out of that so you don't feel enslaved to the lender. Uh, number seven, create a solid plan for future prosperity. Create a solid plan for future prosperity. What that means is be super, super careful that you're not just thinking about what you want today, that you're not considering what you'll one day need for tomorrow, right? Right? Consider that you've got to start thinking through this. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Plans of the diligent, being diligent. I'm making a plan, right? It leads to abundance. So you need to think about there's coming a winter of your life, most likely. 
where you won't be able to work as much as you are working and that you don't want to be a burden on somebody else, but you want to say, I've worked hard enough here so that I can take care of my daily bread now and I'm also saving up some, some bread and storage when I can't work as much, right? The plans of the diligent will lead to abundance. So you want to make a plan, but if you're hasty, right? If you're hasty in some type of way, it will come only to poverty. Proverbs 23, 5 says, When your eyes cast on riches, they are gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings flying like an eagle toward heaven. You catch that? Ooh, this is how I'm going to make money one day, right? And all of a sudden it just flies away. Like, I, I could see it, right? And, and it goes... So you make a plan that's diligent plan. It's a smart plan. It's a wise plan. Any plan, look, there's issues that can go against it, right? Always are. But you want to think through, so if this is my daily bread that I need to do, what am I putting back for one day when I can't work? What am I putting for retirement or thinking about a day that I can't? I would love for everybody in this room that you would have children that would be so rich that you wouldn't have a dollar when you, you know, retired and they could just take care of you all your life, right? There's a chance that might happen. <laughs> There's a small chance that might happen, right? But what I want to be for my kids, I don't want to be a burden on them. I want to be a blessing to them. That's the goal. So right now, that means I have to start making some sacrifices today so that I'm not making them sacrifice tomorrow, right? So I start thinking through that. Um, look on the back side of this. We've got a few more to go through. We'll, we'll speed up here. Uh, leaving an inheritance to trustworthy people is a good thing. Leaving inheritance to trustworthy people is a good thing. Once again, the Bible speaks to this. It doesn't say leaving an inheritance to untrustworthy people is a good thing. In fact, it'll discourage you from doing that. But it says this in Proverbs 13, 22, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. That means I want to live in such a way that even my grandkids benefit from. Wouldn't that be neat? One day, maybe my grandkids could go to school or they could go on a mission trip or something. I, I, I just think about, you know, when, I, when I've said to the Lord, God, I want you to do whatever you want to with my kids, one day they may say, Dad, I want to go live as an overseas missionary. Am I in a position where I can financially support it? And then maybe my children's children are living over there. Could I be in a position I could financially support it, right? Even beyond just right now, a good man's going to leave an inheritance so that when I'm gone, even the kids and the grandkids, the family benefit from that rather than figuring out how are we going to pay for dad's funeral, right? Like I want to say, taking care of it, taking care of it. One of the best testimonies that, that I have heard is that there's, there's a widow in our church who came up to me during this series and said, I knew that my husband had taken care of things. I never knew how well he had set things up. When he passed away, I was going through all the grief, but I went in and he said, here's what you need to do when you need to do it. She said, everything was taken care of for his funeral. Everything was taken care of me. Everything that I possibly could have asked for, he took care of. And she felt like she could just grieve properly rather than figuring out, what am I going to do? right? So, so you want to do that. That's what a good man or a good woman would do. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24 says, know well the condition of your flocks. Give attention to your herds for riches uh, to not last, do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? What is that, that verse saying this? Make sure you know what you possess right now and know how good it's standing because guess what? While I don't know how many people in here have a flock or that you're sort of banking on, right? That represents the wealth that you have right now. Pay careful attention to your flocks. Pay careful attention to your stuff that you have, right? Because one day you have to realize this, riches don't last forever. <clears throat> so you may have something. I can, I can remember there's a certain point that I'm always one of these people, I like to ride a car to the ground. You know what I'm talking about? 
I like to ride the car until it can barely go anymore. Last year, my truck was about at that spot, okay? Uh, when, I, when I got some uh, fixed price on it that were more expensive than what the truck was worth, I knew now was the time, okay? But you have to know the condition of your flocks or your trucks or your house or your insurance or what. Just you kind of got to know these things, right? Because when those moments happen, you want to say, I want to know that riches don't last forever, but I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Um, never place complete trust in your wealth, Never place complete, number nine says, never place complete trust in your wealth. Do you need to work hard at it? Be diligent about it? Absolutely. Do you need to put trust in it as if it is your savior? No, you do not. Because even the best made plans can have a uh, sudden turn and everything can change really, really quickly. Proverbs 18.11 says, a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Wait a minute, I thought a rich man, my wealth, is like a strong city. It is, and it's like a high wall that you think nobody can cross over in your imagination. Somebody can scale that wall. Some crisis can get over that wall and mess up what you've got kind of secure there, right? So you can't trust in that wealth. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. So if you trust in your riches... It will fall. You will fall. At some point in your life, something's going to happen. But if you are righteous, if you want to live rightly, you will flourish like the green leaf. Number 10, don't mistake your wealth to be your worth. Don't mistake your wealth to be your worth. Just because you possess a lot does not mean that's who you are. Just because you don't possess a lot does not mean that's who you are. You have to be really, really careful here that you don't get those two things mixed up. Proverbs 22.2 says, The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Maker of them both. Maker of them all, right? God is the Lord, the maker of both the rich people and the poor people. That is, means this. God does not love all the rich people and feel bad for all the poor people. God knows this. All of us have a debt of sin that we all got to deal with, and he doesn't look at external appearances in any type of way. James chapter 2 says, you have to be super careful here because if a, if a poor man comes into your, your church congregation and then a rich man comes in, if you tell the rich man, oh, seat over here at this nice place, and the poor guy, you go, go sit over there by my feet, he goes, haven't you made yourself judges with evil distinctions in your heart? God doesn't do that. He shows no partiality, neither should we. So God doesn't show partiality in the way that you look, the way that you, what you drive, the way that you have everything together. The rich and the poor, they meet together. They meet together where? Rocky Creek Baptist Church, right? <laughs> no matter where you are in life, right, we, we come together and say, he's the maker of us all. There is nobody here who's better because your bank account is bigger. Nobody here. Nobody at all. Next, uh, Proverbs 22.4 says this, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. So if you're humble, if you have a fear of the Lord, not meaning you're terrified of him, but saying I'm putting myself right in position where I need to be to listen to you, the fear of the Lord, it leads to riches. That, that means, I think, material wealth. It does mean you'll, you'll have your needs provided. It also leads to honor. People honor you and say you're, you're doing a good job there. You're doing things rightly, but also to life. It's a peace that comes along. Number 11, money cannot buy the most important things in life. Out of all the things the Beatles said, they were right about that, right? <laughs> cannot buy you what? Can't buy you love. Can't. That price tag is too, too high. In fact, in fact, this is a verse that I'm going to give. If anybody here, especially if there's anybody single here and you want a really good Bible verse for a pickup line, here's one for you, right? 
Proverbs 19, 14, house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife, oh, she is from the Lord. Okay, so think about this. This is a good line, right, that you say, sometimes a father will leave an inheritance of a house. That's a nice thing, right? Especially if it's a nice house, paid for. Thank you, Dad. Sometimes wealth is an inheritance from a father. Is that a good thing? Absolutely, it's a good thing. But a prudent wife, a woman who doesn't spend all your money, a woman who doesn't go buy frivolous things, who gets in trouble, who works hard and does what she needs to do, that gift, not from your earthly daddy, <laughs> that gift is from your heavenly daddy, right? A, a, a good spouse, that's something that God gives. And guess what? You cannot pay for. You can't. It's a gift. And so you, you remind yourself that those types of things, they're, they're, you can't be bought. They're a gift from the Lord. Proverbs ten sixteen: the wage of the righteous leads to what? Life. The gain of the wicked to sin. Once again, not the most important things in life. The wage of the righteous, it leads to life. So we want to do things rightly. Look at number 12. Prioritize generosity as you use your blessings to bless others. Prioritize generosity as you use your blessings to bless others. For God so loved the world that he gave. So if we want to love the world, what should we do? We should give as well. That, that's just kind of part of it, right? That we should be people who are generous, that we take what has been given to us, and we are in a place where we want to give to others as well. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do you catch that? That's a beautiful, beautiful line. Don't withhold good from those to whom it is due. So if you have the power to do good to someone, guess what you should do? Do good to them. But if you somehow you feel like, you know what? I'm going to have the power to do good, but I'm not going to do it. That's evil. That's wrong. That is disrespectful to do. So for all of us here, you have the power to do something to help someone else out. Proverbs 11.24 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the what? Richer, another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. That is such a beautiful line. If you give freely, somehow you get even richer. And that's what, I would think if you hold on and stingy, you get richer, but that's not what God says. Because if you have, Jesus said it this way, if you've been faithful with much, I'll entrust you with even more, right? You're showing yourself when you're generous, I can be trusted, God, with your resources. When you're not just close-handed, keep it all for yourself, you're giving away and it's allowing yourself to actually set up to help other people out. And then number 13, and there's a lot more principles in Proverbs, but these are the top 13 I want us to look at. Here's the last one for tonight. If God has blessed you, don't dishonor him. If God has blessed you in any type of way, financial way, emotional way, spiritual way, don't dishonor him. You want to bring him honor with those blessings rather than dishonor him. Look what Proverbs 3.9 says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. It does not say give God your leftovers. It says he has given you his best when he gave his son. Don't give him your leftovers, right? You want to say, God, what can I do to do rightly with the first fruits of what I've been given? To honor you with my wealth, not what's left over. And then Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. I love, love this verse, and here's why. Um, <clears throat> not, not in a morbid way, but sometimes I consider what my funeral is going to be like. I don't know if you've ever done that. Not, not in a morbid way. I don't think it is. Maybe it is. But I, I often think, like, 
when when my funeral's there, like when all this is going on, like how will I be remembered? Because I've sat around with a lot of families and a lot of funeral services, and sometimes you have varying opinions on people's perspective of that person who's passed. Have you not noticed that? Now, normally when somebody passes, you're saying the nicest things you've ever said about them, right? They can be a train wreck most of life, and then all of a sudden they get here, we're like, well, that's a good person. You know, and right not, but a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. What, what I'm saying is this. I think God's Word is telling us this, that when you're dead and gone and your name is brought up, you want people to say, that was a man who followed after God. That was a woman who followed after God. And your name is brought up. A good name, right? A strong reputation that goes along with that name. That is better than all the riches in the world that you cannot take with you. And so my, my thought is always, I had this idea recently that I was going to make a bucket list. Y'all know what a bucket list is? It's a list of stuff you want to do before you kick the bucket. And um, I want to make a bucket list of all the things that I want to do for the kingdom of God before I die. Like, there's certain things like, I want to see a church planted among the Senegalese people, the Sarer Pelor. I want that's a church partnership we have there. I want to see um, the uh, Mushere people in Nigeria to have the Bible fully translated in their language. These are just little goals that I got, right? I've tried to help out on some of these goals, but I feel like if I come up with a bucket list, what I'm going to do is then, if, like, if I have my funeral and hope all y'all will come, like if it happened tomorrow, y'all all come, and I'm going to have a list of stuff that I hadn't gotten to yet. And I'm going to tell the funeral director to lock the back door. And what they're going to do is, he got about 17 items on this list that hadn't been done yet. So I'm going to read them, and somebody's got to take responsibility for each one of these before we leave, okay? Or he says he's going to haunt us in our sleep or something like that, okay? And so the plan would be this, but I, I would want those people around that moment to say, look what Trav did with his life. Way to go, man. I just... And I want to, I want to, I want to continue on that legacy. I want to honor. It is a wonderful thing after a person has passed and that name to be remembered that you want to honor the legacy of that person by repeating certain characteristics in their life. Best way to honor legacy, right? Say, let me learn from that person and carry that on. A good name, a good reputation, a good legacy is far better than all the riches in the world. For people to say, even that, that's a life that outlives you, where you live in a certain way that people go, wow, that. That's even better than great riches. And favor, God's favor on your life, it's better than silver or gold. And so, so this, this question here, what are some goals that I should have for my finances? Tonight you may listen to all these 13 points, and then you look at all those other verses down there, and you think, oh, goodness, I got a long way to go. My question is this, what's one thing that you could do this week to start considering how to handle what God's given you wisely? There's some things right now in my life where I'm going, God, I think that I'm doing okay but I don't think I'm doing the absolute best in. So I want to step back and say, God, am I, being, am I giving you everything that I should? Am I being as wise as I possibly can? Because uh, someone once told me, they said, if you take care of the pennies, dollars will take care of themselves, right? And so sometimes you just got to start looking at sometimes where the pennies are going. And so I just pray for every single one of us, whether you are really where you want to be or really not where you want to be, that you would say, God, what's that next step? Even if it takes me six years to get there, Tomorrow, I can make a decision that can change the outcome. I can start in that process. And that's what discipleship's all about as we continue to grow in Christ-likeness. And so as we pray to you tonight, oh, Father, we say this, God, that we believe that your wisdom is better than the world's wisdom. And so we want to align our plan, our financial plan, with your wisdom, with your truth. And we know that your book of Proverbs, though written thousands of years ago in a different language and a different culture, is more uh, accurate 
It's, it's more true than even the most current stewardship and financial principles that any person in our country could write right now. Your words have life. That standard above us is far better than the standard inside us, beside us, or even behind us. We want the standard above us, which we can surrender our lives to. And so, God, I just pray for every man, every woman that's here today. May we consider the things that you've given us, the situation that we're in, and even if we're not where we want to be, God, may you help equip us so that we can continue to grow closer to the image in this area. May the things we own never own us. May we always see the blessings of God as a channel through which your generosity can bless other people as well. And may we be a people who are marked by our generosity and by gratefulness of the way that you've blessed us. <clears throat> and so, God, I pray for every single person, whether maybe it would take six minutes to make a change or it might take six years to make a change, whatever it is, your wisdom is worth pursuing above all else. Help us not only know the truth, but apply it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.